today, and we, we believe that God is going to have a, His perfect will accomplished, and God's going to use them to minister to us as He will. Amen. Would you at this time welcome the Vernons, hallelujah, who are special people and great ministers of the gospel of Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful place to be in today. Amen. Isn't Jesus just wonderful? Amen. Isn't he the love of your life? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, the blessings of Jesus. The blessings. He's done for us what no other could do. Amen. Jesus, in the 11th chapter of Matthew, third chapter, verse 11, he said, until John the Baptist, he said, from the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Amen. It's so good to see all of you this morning. It's good to be back. Amen. And just enjoy the singing and the worship, the presence of God just moving mightily. Anything you needed, you could have reached out. You have reached out and God would have done it. Amen. He's still here, present. Amen. To meet every need. Amen. It's wonderful how the Lord can meet every need of each and every individual in one single moment. Amen. What a God we serve. You may be seated. Amen. But he said, The kingdom of heaven severeth violent, the violent take it by force. Amen. If we look back of the days of Moses, amen, and how that as a child, the king wanted to kill him, put him in a river and drowned him, but that wasn't the will of God. This man grew to be, amen, the savior of Israel at that time to bring them out of bondage in Egypt. But even then, the kingdom of heaven was suffering violence because he wanted to take his life. The king didn't know why. He didn't know the enemy had put this into his mind. He had no idea what Moses was going to be, what God had called Moses to be, what he would grow to be. Amen. And in our daily walk with the Lord, amen, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. But the scriptures in, in uh, the 11th chapter of Hebrews in verse 33, it says, When who through, the, through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, they quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weaknesses were made strong, waxed violent in fight, and turned the flight of the armies of the aliens. These folks were just like us. They had their daily struggles. They had their ba battles. They, the husband and wife had an argument, and the kid threw a rock and broke the window. And, amen? And how many times did the enemy say, you can't do it? How many times did the enemy bring some little stupid something to their mind that's like made them feel so unworthy to live for God that they hang their head and, and they don't feel like praying, don't feel like doing anything? The kingdom of heaven, the Bible, Jesus said the kingdom of God is within men and they press into it. We press into it. We fight on our knees because Jesus was victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Amen. That we through his death, burial, and resurrection, could receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the spirit of eternal life, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. In the Romans, the apostle Paul said that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but peace, righteousness, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He put the Holy Ghost in the kingdom of God. It's the same thing, and it is. And it suffers violence even to Jesus until the days of John the Baptist. 
Look at Samuel. Samuel was, a, was the, in my opinion, the most powerful prophet that walked in shoe leather. When he walked into a town, they trembled, and they said, did you come with peace or did you bring a sword? Amen. Conviction hit them hard when this man walked into their town. But when God told him to anoint David as king over Israel, he was afraid. He was afraid of Saul. It doesn't matter how anointed you are, the devil is still going to come at you. It didn't matter how anointed Apostle Paul was, the miracles, the raising of the dead, and so on. Uh, the Apostle Peter was beheaded. Paul was beheaded. The kingdom of heaven still suffereth violence. Right now, they're not beheading us. But the enemy comes at us through the world and through everyday life. Amen. We hear so many voices in our lives every day so that it drowns out the most important voice in our life. Amen. The scripture says that our warfare is not carnal but spiritual and mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down of every high imagination. We have the power. We have the God of heaven living in us today. Amen. Amen. With the, the apostle Peter was in prison, and the church prayed until he was delivered. Amen. Look at Daniel. He had his three friends that prayed with him about everything. And look, look what Daniel, God wrought through Daniel because he stood for the word of God. We will stand for the word of God. Amen. He will bring us through all things. At this time, my lovely wife's going to come and bless all of us. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Will you stand to your feet with me this morning? Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord? Turn to your neighbor and smile and say, you're sure looking great today. I like what I feel in the house. Amen. It should be a joyous time when we come to church. This is not gloom and doom. We are not at the funeral home. And we ought to have a big time while we're here. It only lasts a little short while, and then you'll have dinner and take your Sunday afternoon nap and, and, and all of that. But right now we're here in this moment, and God has something great for us. I want to say that 24 years ago in the springtime, I received a call from a pastor in Belleville, Illinois. His name was Pastor Switzer. His lovely wife is here on the second row. And he invited me for the first time to come and minister to this congregation. How could it be 24 years? None of us are nearly that old. <laughs> and I came and I learned a great lesson. You know, some things you learn what to do, some things you learn what not to do. I learned that when I go on an airplane and I'm flying to minister, that I need to be partially kind of dressed up. I learned that that weekend. Changed my life. Because you're so gracious, those of you that were here won't remember that I ministered in flip-flops that night. Because my luggage did not arrive. I did not make a great first impression, let me tell you. My props were not there. I always use a little prop when I minister. That's why we have a little game machine, claw machine down here today. I didn't have props and I didn't have high heels, but I just gave it my best. And it must have been okay because you and I hooked our hearts together all those years ago. And the Lord has added new faces. And then along came one of the greatest men that has ever walked in Pastor George Sabolchi. And his, it's the truth. And he, he said, I could keep coming. And his wife, who is just like an angel that fell right out of heaven, 
She's precious, and they're precious to me, and I love them, and I love you. This ministry team, I love you. And today as I minister, I want you to know, and I always say this, this is important. I am under the covering of my precious husband, Ben Vernon. I'm under the covering of my pastor who knows I'm here. I have his permission to be here. And I'm going to step into your anointing today, Pastor, and I submit myself to you as I minister. We turn to Philippians chapter 3. I'm reading two short verses this morning out of this chapter. Again, we never just draw verses out and leave it at that. Go home, read the rest of the beginning, the, the end of that chapter, the context of it. Amen. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Some of you are having trouble with that one. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Today for your hearing a message God gave me called a prize every time. A prize every time. You may be seated. It is interesting to sometimes run reference and look back in the different uh, versions of the Bible, the variations, including Greek and Hebrew, and just to throw in here for you scholars, because I am not one, the prize, it translates in Greek to Z-O-E, Zoe, and it means to have a God kind of life. Let that sink in. Prize. We think of prize just as perhaps heaven. Oh, that's a part of it. That's the biggest part of it. That's the greatest part of it. However, you have to live out your life here until he decides to take you home one way or another. So why not live a God kind of life? What a prize to walk with the Lord and have the kind of life that has peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. A God kind of life. It is a wonderful promise, this title of mine, when you are playing a game, to hear the words, a prize every time. A lot of times we will choose to play that certain game because we know we're going to take something away. Let me tell you, when you walk with the Lord, there is a prize every time. You're going to walk away with an eternal life, abundant life down here, and eternal life in heaven. What a prize. I took my grandchildren to a pizza place, not a Chuck E. Cheese, but a different pizza place that had some games in a game room. And the game room was kind of deep and long, and I'm trying to keep track of seven of them at that time. Little people, I had footed the bill for the pizza and given them all tokens to spend in the machines. And, and I'm trying to watch over all of them, and I can't find them at one point. Uh, they were, three of them were there, and two were there, and one was there, and they're running all over this room playing skee-ball and all these other games, and then all of a sudden, uh, they, they just all disappear on me, and uh, there's a room full of kids, and I'm frantic. I find them around the corner, all seven of them, huddled around one machine. It was a little claw machine full of only one thing, rubber duckies. They all were different colors, different hats, different kinds of rubber duckies. And the reason why they're gathered around there and they're putting in one token after another was because they figured out, as young as they are, it was the only game in the place where you get a prize every time. 
Needless to say, every one of them had their little shirts pulled out because they didn't have a bag yet. And they had some 10, 12, 14 little duckies already in their little shirt to take home. Why? Because the joy of putting something in and getting something back is so exciting. I'm here to help you understand today. This life living for the Lord is not an empty life. You're getting something all along the way and a prize of eternal life. We're about ready to step over onto heaven's shore, my friends. We're going to be together forever. We're going to be shouting around the throne. All those promises that are in the word are about to come true. It's happening right before our eyes. This could be the last service before Jesus comes. I hope it's not for some of your sakes because some of you don't feel a thing. That's a scary place to be. You got to push yourself a little press into this thing. Nobody can do it for you. He will draw you, but you got to press in. You got to work at it. Oh, they were working at it. I had to go get seven little bags to take home. Lots of rubber duckies because even as young as they are, they wanted a prize every time. There are games that take skill and talent. I have never been very skillful at playing games. But I learned that there was something that I could do. And boy, when I discovered the claw machine, my life changed was many years ago, and I would approach that claw machine many times in the Walmart because they had the big claw machines with the big stuffed animals, and they had the little ones. And I found out that with just, at that time, 50 cents, I had such skill and talent that I could position that claw in just the right place. And press a button, and it would go down and sometimes pick up two. And here for 50 cents, I got such a deal. Two little stuffed animals. I would play that claw machine and take home a haul every time. Because of my skill and ability and talent, I could win every time. I don't like to admit, but I think it became kind of an addiction. Because everywhere I went, if there was a claw machine, you better believe I found it. My daughter said, Mom, stop bringing home stuffed animals. People can only have so many stuffed animals. Stop bringing them home. So I'd start giving them away to kids in the store and stuff. Because I wasn't about to stop playing this game that I had found that I was so good at. (laughs) I was ministering in a church and... You know, there's a certain protocol. We all try to be what we need to be. Um, But, you know, Jesus knows what we are. (laughs) He knows what we are in the dark. He knows what we are in our minds. He knows what we are. So we can't hide ourselves from God. But you might hide yourself from people and, you know, try to put on a a good front. I don't want anybody to know I was addicted to the claw machine. (laughs) And pastor and his wife and about 30 people went out after church on a Sunday night. And we filed in the Denny's. It was the only thing opened. And we got a table in the back room because that's the only place that would house all of us. And, and we ordered food. And, and it's taking a long time for 30 people. And, and so I'm, I'm getting a little bored. And, and I, I've told you before, I have attention deficit disorder with hyperactivity. So don't get up and walk out. I'll ask you where you're going. <laughs> Be sure your phone's turned off because I'll answer it if it rings. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Very easily distracted. And so I'm very distracted because in the back of my mind, I remember that when we walked in the doors, there was a claw machine. So I fill my pockets full of quarters, and I said, excuse me, I'm going to the restroom. I didn't lie. I did go to the restroom the long way around. And then I made my way to the claw. So I, there is a wall between me and that back room, glass and a wall, but it's, it's black and glass. They, nobody knows where I am. 
And so I'm putting my money in the claw. Now, you have to understand this is very intense for me because I win. And I get excited when I win. And also, I believe the scripture. And the scripture says, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. So when I hit that final button, you know, I got that thing positioned. I'm looking all angles. And I have that positioned right over that thing I want. What you will find, what you did find, was me jumping up and down. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And it has it, and it's, it's shaking you, it's bringing it over, and it drops it right before the hole. And I've played it four times at that point. I don't have any more money. So I go back to the table. I'm trying to put on a happy face. They can't know about my addiction. I get back to the table, and everyone's laughing, and they're all staring at me. And somebody said, really? You play the claw in the name of Jesus? You see, that glass was a, a one-way. I couldn't see in, but they could see out. They were watching the whole thing. Oh, yes, exposed right there. There was a man at the table already had a bunch of money out, and he handed it to a teenage boy across the table. He said, you take Sister Vicky out there and win her that little, that baby deer she's trying to win. It was a little, it was a Bambi with spots. <laughs> and he said, you get, just do it until you win it for her. Anybody wants it that bad? <laughs> and so... I go with my head down, <laughs> follow him out to the claw machine, and sure enough, you know, I almost had it. It just took one more time, and there it was. It was mine. Addiction. I just like to play it because most of the time I won. But I found out that as time went on, I wasn't winning as often. What happened to my skill and talent? The Walmart, it doesn't work there. It doesn't work in the Denny's. Nothing, nothing seems to be working. I, I keep putting it in and trying, but it doesn't do for me what it used to do. So I'm, I am in a, a restaurant, and, and we're leaving the restaurant, and there's a man, and he's got the machine pulled out from the wall, and he's got a big bag of stuffed animals, and he's filling that machine and I look at him with admiration and think that's what I want to be when I grow up. A claw machine filler. And I, I'm watching and I just can't help myself. I say, sir, excuse me, may I ask you a question? He said, yeah, what, what is it? I said, I used to be very good at, at winning these years ago. I, I played them all the time. I won almost every time I played. I, I just felt like I'd really mastered it. I was really good. I said, but now I never win. I, I, I rarely win, and I, I don't have enough money to play as many times as it takes to win, and I don't understand it. And he said, well, I can, I can explain that to you. He said, I own claw machines all over this city. He said, all I have to do is come and fill them. And then I sit in my recliner at home, and all I have to do is push a button or two. My computer keeps track of how many people play this, how many time they win, times they win, how much money I have already put into the stuffed animals that are in it, and I just I rig it every 10 times somebody wins. This particular one's every 25 times somebody wins. Doesn't matter if they're good or not, the claw is loose until I push a button saying that it can tighten up and win. It made me furious. I said, you've got to be kidding me. This whole thing's rigged? Do you think for one minute I'm ever going to put another dollar in one of those machines now that I have found out it's all rigged? That I'm never going to win the prize? Boy, it was enough right there to break the back of my addiction. So what's wrong with the rest of us? There shouldn't be anything in your life that's got you bound up when you realize that the devil has your life rigged and every addiction is to rig you straight to hell, to cause you to be broken, to be bound, to be abused, to be neglected, to end up in death. 
He wants to wreck your life. He's the, the one sitting in the recliner pushing the buttons because you allow it. Hear me, somebody. <laughs> what does sin do when it's finished? It brings forth death, spiritual, physical death, death of relationships. How many marriages are split up because of some kind of addiction, some kind of brokenness, something that someone won't stop doing, won't give up, won't surrender? How many children have been broken by divorce, by abuse, because somebody won't let go of something? Rigged. And so it continues right into the lives of our children because the backs of those spirits have to be broken at the foot of the cross. How many people have lost jobs, lost their health because they continue with an addiction, with something the devil has them bound with when they could have eternal life, a God life. They could win the prize. They can have a life of joy and happiness and peace and blessing, walking with the Lord. Listen, there's no better life than walking with the Lord. Don't let the devil trick you that for a moment of pleasure, you'll just give it all up. Hey, I, you know, I enjoyed standing there and the thrill of watching that claw move. Shaking a little bit over top of my treasure. Oh, yeah, that was, that was a thrill. There's a little bit of thrill in all these things. Only to win a little stuffed animal that wasn't worth much more than I already put in there. To take home to give to somebody that said we already have too many. That's a picture of sin. Oh, yeah, it's fun to drink for a little while and get high. It's fun. It'll give you a little pleasure for just a little bit. And then what happens? You wake up empty. You don't remember what you did the night before. You're sick and you're addicted. And you're always looking for more. Something more. Something better. To get the adrenaline rushing one more time. Just the thrill of putting in something and getting nothing back. Devil's exposed. <laughs> he gives you nothing. But you have to decide. I'm going to give up the thrill-seeking life. We are creatures that even chocolate will cause our adrenaline to race. Our serotonin levels will go up. That's why everything in moderation. Because you can become addicted to all kinds of things. Pornography will put a hook in you that you will not get out on your own. You can't counsel it out. People see therapists for years and still they can't get rid of the images in the mind. Don't do it. Don't go there, young people. Don't ever start it. It's wrong. It's wrong on every level. It's wrong to use it in the marriage. I'm an old lady. I can talk like this if I want to. It's wrong. It pops up. You turn it off. You turn your head. You cry out the name of Jesus. Don't let that thing get a hold of you. It will destroy your life. For a thrill. But you see what you can do. Is you can surrender. You can say Lord. I'm going to bring my heart to you. I'm going to give you my heart today. See I'm not going to tell you what to do. And, and not tell you how to do it. Okay. So when we play some music. And I ask you to come. You just bring your heart. And you. Lift your hands and you close your eyes and you forget about everybody all around you. You forget about what people think. You can't live for God and worry about what people think. And, and you lift your hands and you pray a heartfelt prayer. There's no wrong way to pray. You just pray out of your heart. And, and you say something like this, Lord, I don't want my life to be rigged by the devil. I acknowledge that I have a dirty heart. I've done things I shouldn't do. And Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me. Would you forgive me, Jesus? Will you clean out my heart? I want to walk with you. In that moment, it doesn't take a long time. You might cry tears, and that's good because the Lord loves your tears. And when you have tears, that means you're really sorry. And so that's okay to cry tears. And in that moment, you give Jesus permission to go into your heart. You see, he won't go in there till you invite him. You have to invite him in. He's a perfect gentleman. 
And the moment you say, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I want to walk with you. I, I don't want to do those bad things anymore. I don't I want to seek for thrills in this life. I want the prize. I want heaven. And I want to walk with you. In that moment, with one sweep of his hand, he cleans out your heart. He leaves a clean, empty heart that he can move into. Hallelujah. It's just that simple. But you see, all of this on the platform, that'll have to be cleaned up because it makes a mess. Sin makes a mess. That's why the Bible tells us you must be born of water. So you ask Jesus, help me to walk with you, Lord. You begin to thank him. And then you make sure that you get to the water. Because you see, all of that is right there. And if you don't get to the water, that's not washed away. That doesn't disappear. You don't take on the name of Jesus until you go down in the water. Amen. The only way anybody was ever baptized in the Bible was in Jesus' name going down under the water and back up. Why would we do it any other way? It's the only way in the Bible. And all of that disappears. But see, if you don't do that, what happens? And, and this is, the Lord spoke to me this, about this this morning. Some of you are doing this. You came and asked Jesus to clean out your heart. You hadn't been coming here very long. And, and you said, Jesus, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to live for you. Then you go back out during the week. And the devil's sitting in his recliner pushing a button. And there's the drugs. There's the pornography. It's all still waiting, your anger problem. Temper. Oh, yeah, there's the alcohol. It's going to be there tomorrow. Maybe even late tonight. There it is. He's pushing the button, sitting in his recliner. And because you have not gone all the way to the water... You haven't been filled with his spirit yet. You don't have power over sin. You're still trying to walk on your own. And so what happens is you mess up. He follows you around until you just keep messing up and messing up and messing up. And then when you come to church or even before you come to church, the devil says, what's the use? You can't live this. You, you, you can't walk with God. You just keep messing up. Sin makes a mess. You've got to get to the water today. If there is anybody that has not been baptized in Jesus' name, you're not ready for heaven. If Jesus comes, you're not going up when he comes. I didn't say it. The word said it. You've got to make yourself ready and available to do whatever the word tells us to do. And then the prize will come. He will come and he'll take you up when he comes. Not to mention the life kind of the God kind of life that you're going to live down here. Oh, yes. you got to make up your mind. See, that was just, just a little thing to bring my heart to the Lord. He just wants something little from you. He's not asking a lot. You just start with baby steps, baby steps to this altar and bring him your heart. Just something small. The Lord has always worked in small things. He doesn't despise the day of small things. Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, and he sees them to completion. If you'll just begin, if you'll just start, if you'll just make a promise, if, if you'll just walk to the altar, give him a little something, he'll help you get to the next step and the next. Hallelujah. But you got to make up your mind. He uses small things. He used a grain of mustard seed, Aaron's rod. Midian's army was only 300 men. He used five loaves and two little fishes. A cup of water in his name won't go unrewarded. He loves the little things. Just give him a little today. Give him a little praise. Give him a little worship. Give him a little bit. And you watch what he'll do. He's a God of abundance. He'll pour it out on you. If you just reach out and give him a little. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 It was a, a little boy, nine years old, that came to camp. Mississippi Junior Youth Camp many years ago and 
and on the last night of that camp, I was the camp evangelist, and the Lord prompted me to talk to the children about their calling, about how they're going to work for God. Purpose. Everybody needs purpose. If you haven't asked God what your purpose is, then it's never too late, but you need to get it done. You need to ask God, why was I born? What do you want me to do for you? You need to fall in love with the Lord and fall in love with lost souls. That's purpose for all of us. And then there's a direction God will send you to win souls. And I, I put that out for kids in that camp on Friday night. And that they are to be soul winners. And I said, God, in this altar, is going to give some of you your calling, your purpose. He's going to show you what you're going to do. When that service was wound up, end of the service, I mean those kids were in fetal positions in that altar, weeping and giving their lives. Not, not just their hearts, but their lives. See, he doesn't just want your heart, he wants your life. And they were surrendering. 71 children had received the Holy Ghost that week. And already some of them were finding their purpose at 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. Beautiful thing. At the end of the service, I'm packing up my little props I'd use all week. I'm in a room off the side, and it's the last service. Everybody's going home. There's a little boy came standing in the doorway. He had a little suit, suit on, and his tie was crooked, and his shirt unbuttoned. His nose was all snotty, and his face was all beet red from weeping, his eyes swollen, and his hair was all mussed up. And I recognized him as a little boy that had curled up around one of those big pillars holding up that tabernacle and, and gave birth to his ministry. And he was standing at the door, and he said, Sister Vicky, can I tell you something? I said, absolutely. I turned around, a big smile on my face, because I recognized that he had received his calling. He said, I know what I'm going to do for God. God showed me tonight what I'm going to do. I promise Jesus I'll do anything you want me to do. And the Lord said, I'm going to be an evangelist, and I'm going to be a preacher. I'm going to preach the gospel. I said, that's amazing. He said, "You no, I never told anybody, but I've been writing messages. I have a little drawer at home, and I pull out my drawer, and I sit on the floor, and I pray and read my Bible, and I write my messages out. And I didn't know why I had all these thoughts, but now I know, because God told me tonight, I'm going to be an evangelist. I said, wow, that's amazing. And I'm just, I'm smiling. I'm so excited. He, I mean, he little. God uses little things. <laughs> He's just a little guy. He said, and guess what? I said, what? He said, the best thing of all. I said, what's that? He said, I am going with you tonight. I'm going to travel with you. I'm grinning <laughs> from ear to ear at one, one moment. And the next moment, I'm stunned. <laughs> I had to try to convince him he needed to finish the third grade. <laughs> that his mom and dad would really miss him. <laughs> and, and finally I, I convinced him that, you know, maybe one day that, that might happen. But don't you, don't you think the Lord didn't call you? He called you and chose you. And the time may be just not yet. I'm talking to somebody. But you've got to find purpose and then wait on God's timing. And for some of you, it's long past time. For some of you, you're still waiting. But God will reveal. He will open the doors. You'll walk through them. You talk about abundant life when you're walking in purpose. When you know where you're going. When you know who you are in the kingdom. When you're winning souls however that looks for an individual to win souls that's when you live the God kind of life yeah. hallelujah the prize kind of life oh yes I was so excited about a little boy and I've used that story so many times because you know what got a hold of me was there was a nine year old that was ready to forsake all he's only nine but he got such a zeal for the things of God that he said I'm, I'm ready I'm ready to do it now we need people in this last hour who won't be just sitting on the pew but will say pastor what can I do we gotta win souls while it's day the night is coming when no man can work what can I do? How can I help get souls in? Can I teach Bible studies? Can I be in a care group? What can I do to win the loss? Hallelujah. That zeal should hop off onto some of us today and change us forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I wonder if you'll come and play softly. Just come by yourself and, and uh, so you don't distract me <laughs> and, and give them some hope. I'm going to close with a, a true story that God brought back to my mind when this message was birthed. I was six years old, and Daddy would always let me go to the grocery store with him. Every week, Mom sent a list, and Daddy let me go, and I would pester to buy things that weren't on the list. And mom would even have me sneak things that weren't on the list, like ice cream. Dad would try to send me off on a mission so that I wouldn't just keep putting extras in the, in the cart. I remember what I was wearing. It's a little plaid green velvet coat, a little jean skirt, and I had pockets in my skirt and po- big pockets in my coat. It was a winter day in Columbus, Ohio. I had on my little gloves and my hat, my little boots. I trotted along behind Daddy into the store, and he said, now here. He had one of those squishy change purses. You remember? The oval shape with the slit, and you squish it. Memory lane. (laughs) And he'd get a quarter out of there. Every time. He'd say, now, Vicky Joe, get up there in the vending machines and get you a little snack. And then you come and find me. That was back in the days when you didn't have to worry about kids getting kidnapped and stuff. So Daddy went on about shopping, and I went to the front of the store like I'd always done. And there stood the big vending machine. I was only six. I could barely reach the slot to drop my quarter in on my tippy toes. The machine was one of those old-fashioned that you pulled and let it go. And the big coil would wind around and drop your treasure into a little tray in the bottom. And the little drawer, deep drawer in there had a door. I don't know why they made the doors so they felt like they were going to cut your hand off when you reach in. A snapping drawer. I see it in my memory so clearly. And I'm looking at everything there, and there's so many choices. you got a lot of choices to make, friends. Some of you made great choices. Some of you made good choices. Some of you are not making good choices at all. Just because we're all dressed up at church doesn't mean we're all making good choices. And really, it's all up to you. The Bible says no man comes unless he draws them. He's drawing you. You know how I know? Because you're here. He'll continue to draw you to try to get you to come forth, to get you to do more, to get you to put in a little something until he wins your heart, until he fills you with his spirit, Until you're baptized in the name of Jesus. Until you find purpose. I reached up and put my quarter in. And I was going to get my chocolate cream filled cookies. That's what I always got. And I pulled that knob routinely. Let it go. And that coil began to go around and around. And I waited for the sound to get my yummy cookies. And the most miraculous thing happened. That machine malfunctioned. And every one of those coils were turning. The Cheetos were dropping. The Fritos were dropping. The pecan bars and the musketeers. There came the Milky Way. Along with my chocolate cookies, vanilla cookies, peanut rolls. They were all falling. I look around, I cannot believe it. I started stuffing. My jean skirt pockets were full. My outside pockets were full. I buttoned up my coat and I was stuffing chips and Cheetos in, in, my, in my coat. I am
am giggling and laughing. I'm having the time of my life. This can't be happening. This can't be real. I'm having the time of my life. I mean, I just I can't fit them anywhere else. And it's still falling. And I hear, <clears throat> and I turn around, and it's a police officer. He says, what are you doing? I said, I, 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 I put a quarter in, and I just, I just pulled one. I just pulled one for the cookies, and I just, I just only pulled one. But they all started falling. It's not my fault. But I, I just thought since they all fell, when I put my quarter in, I could take them home. And I, but I won't, I'll give them back. I don't want to go to jail. He never smiled, but he said, take what you got and get out of here. <sighs> Music to my ear, because I had all, let me tell you. I am making my way to my daddy to let him know what just happened to me, because all I did was put in something small, and I got all of this. And at nine years old, I came to an altar on a Sunday morning like this. And I gave my heart to Jesus. 53 years ago. And I just put in a little child's prayer. A few little tears. And he cleaned out my heart. They took me to the water and took me down in that precious name of Jesus. I came out clean. And as I thanked the Lord that morning for what he had done, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, wow. Talk about a prize. He took away my old stony heart. And he gave me a brand new heart. And Jesus wanted me to know that I had that brand new heart. That he had filled all the way up with his presence. And when he filled me all the way up, strange words came to my mind. I knew what that was. That's called speaking with other tongues. That means speaking in another language. That's Jesus moving in your heart. And giving you his spirit. And sitting on the front row at nine years old with my little hands raised. Just give him a little today. He filled me with his spirit. I began to speak those strange words right out of my mouth. I didn't worry about what they sound like. You can't do it wrong. You see, just put in a little. A life full of joy and blessing, provision. And in the hard times, because there are hard times, you got a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. A daddy, a heavenly daddy, to lay your head on his chest. And he'll hold you through those times. Why would you want a rigged life? The devil pushing all the buttons for a cheap thrill. A relationship that's not even right or holy. An addiction that messes up your life. That has you bound. Why wouldn't you want to be free? I'm asking you today, are you willing just put in a little something you won't be sorry would you stand those of you that are ready to make a start for the Lord today I want you to come stand right here in the middle if you've brought someone with you that they're ready for the Holy Ghost invite them to come the Lord's going to fill them today I urge you and I beg you not to wait 
If you have never spoken with other tongues today, would you come and stand up here right in the middle? Come on, darling. You precious girls, you can come stand with them. She's a soul winner right here. This little girl already knows her purpose. Come on, bring him right up here. All right, come right on, honey. Bring these children right up here to the front. Oh, it's not only children that need the Holy Ghost today. They're going to receive it, and they'll receive it so easy because they have the faith of a child. You young people, God's going to fill you. Anybody else? I'm waiting. You've never spoken in tongues. You say, well, it's kind of embarrassing. I've been coming here a while, but I've never spoken in tongues. Oh, well, today's the day. Don't worry about what other people think. Come on. Let some of you go over on this side. Let's not make two rows. Let's, let's line all the way across so somebody can get to you to pray with you. You're fine right here. The second row, go on and move all the way down. That's great. Now, you altar workers, you get ready. Ministry. I bind confusion and distraction in the name of Jesus. I lose peace right now. All right, all of you in the altar, look up here at me. Look up here at me. Look at my face. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to help you. Close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Okay? Keep them closed. That, that means you need self-control. Keep them closed. Because with your eyes closed, you can think about Jesus. But when your eyes are open, you're looking around other people. This is totally between you and Jesus. Nobody can help you do this. We're going to be with you, but you got to do this by yourself. The second step is to lift your face. Keep your eyes closed, but lift your face. Because the devil wants you to hang your head. He wants you to be ashamed of the bad things you've done. Ashamed of your heart. He wants you to think you're a bad kid and you're not. You're a good kid. You're a precious teenager. You're precious in his sight today. All of you. So we lift our face. We close our eyes. The third step is to lift both of your hands. You need your hands free so you can lift them. Just do it where you're comfortable. Make sure you're not touching anybody else. Move away a little so you're not touching anybody. This is where you're saying, here I am, Lord. Eyes closed, face raised. Both of your hands. That's so good. Now the last step, you're going to pray from your heart. If the tears come, let them roll down your cheeks. Even big strong men cry when they pray. It's okay to cry. If you don't cry, if you can't cry, don't worry. The Lord will still give you the Holy Ghost. Some people don't cry yet. It's all right. He's going to fill you. But you got to use your voice because that's what he's going to use when he fills you. So I want you to begin to talk to him from your heart. I love you, Jesus. I don't want to go down with the devil. I want to make heaven. I'm giving you my heart today, Lord. Oh, just say it however you want to say it. Come on. Across this building, could we all lift our hands? Could we all get involved? Let's all just make it clear to the Lord today that we want to make it. We don't want the devil to have any part of our life. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Come on, all over this building. Lift your voices. I need some intercessory prayer back at the pew. Come on, that's good. That's good. Now you're talking to the Lord. Come on, open your heart. Move your mouth and talk to God. Let the tears come. Yeah, he's going to fill you right now. The funny sounds are going to come to your mind, and you just let them right out of your mouth. In the name of Jesus, receive the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, receive the Holy Ghost. There it is right there. It's already on this girl right here. Right here. That's it. It's already on her. I see it. In the name of Jesus, touch her head. In the name of Jesus. 